Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. So Test Match Cricket is back this week, and obviously we'll look ahead to England's four-day Test Match against Ireland, and we'll hear from both Brendan McCullum and the Ireland camp in the build-up. England bowler Stuart Broad joins us to look ahead to the start of the Ashes, and we'll also hear from Surrey Director of Cricket Alex Stewart, and uh, we'll discuss Jason Roy's decision to give up his ECB incremental contract in order to play franchise cricket in America. And we'll end the show by looking back at the best of the T20 blast action. We'll also hear from West Indies head coach, new white ball head coach, Darren Sammy. So, a lot to come over the next hour. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Looking forward to the Ireland test, Tommy. Last time England and Ireland played, it was, it was eventful, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was uh, it was a game I thought was going to go over in about a day and a half. And it's managed to stretch out that a little bit more. You know, Ireland made a, I made a good fist of it, but I, I can imagine this time, hopefully the wicket is, will be a bit better. Um, and I think England, the way they're playing, especially their batters, I can see it being a different type of contest and one England will hope to just Reaffirm in the in the dressing room the message of positivity. I expect it to be a an England win, but hopefully uh, a good good cricket game for Ireland as well. Jack Leach, of course, made ninety two as night watchman in yeah. that Test match as well. But yeah, it was a good comeback from England. I've got so many burning questions. I mean, many of them, of course, are, are rooted in in history and may become irrelevant. I mean, I, I, all my instincts are to say. Joe Root, Ben Stokes and Harry Brook haven't played any red ball cricket whatsoever. Will England be undercooked? This is the only preparation they have for the Ashes. But the world's changed and it's not just COVID. <laughs> Warm-ups are, are gone. They're out. Out with the arc. Yeah, they've got out with the arc and there's quite a few former cricketers who would love to say 
that that full warps have gone as well. And watching them in New Zealand, warps have gone, literally have gone. Because when you were when they were on the pitch before the game, you were thinking, "Is the bus not turned up?" Because there's just there's nobody on the field. They didn't do warm ups. Batters had a bat. Bowlers had a little bit of a bowl. There was no real you're know, jumping through hoops or you're know, going over ladder, going through ladders or going over hurdles or elastic bands or anything like that. In my day, it it literally was. You know, you rock up, you have a bowl, you have a bat. Let's go and have a game of cricket. And that, for me, is the way the, the way the the way the world sh- world should have been. You know, twenty years ago, because I think there's a lot of people wouldn't have retired if if they didn't get rid of warm ups. Because when you ask somebody who, when they finish playing, what you're going to miss most, and they'll say, "I'm not going to miss warm ups at all." But the warm up match has gone as well. It really has. You know, gone the day you play three or four games leading into. You mentioned two or three names there: Stokes, Root, Brook who haven't played red ball cricket. Uh, I'm not too bothered about Stokes and Root. They experienced enough. They know the games inside out. Brooke, he came into the English summer last year with an absolute whirlwind because of the amount of hundreds he got for Yorkshire going into selection for the first test, but didn't play till later on in the summer. But he'll be he'll be he'll have had a, enough enough of a hit out, out in the IPL when it comes to practice that he'd be ready for. Ireland um, and Australia, um, Australia do the same. They're just playing that one game against India, which would be a tougher game, um, leading into the Ashes. But we've also got to remember the Ashes is five test matches in six and a half weeks. So if you add warm, or warm cricket to that, I think it becomes a grueling schedule. So I'm not surprised there's no warm-ups now because of the way the calendar and cricket, world cricket is in general. We've mentioned a lot of fast bowlers over the last uh, couple of months, and obviously Ben Stokes said he wants eight fast bowlers to be able to rotate them. We've spoken about injuries to Joffrey Archer and Jimmy Anderson and and uh, Ollie Stone. Well, I've mentioned Craig Overton. Um, there are you know, we've been talking about maybe a dozen fast bowlers. <laughs> the one name we haven't mentioned is Josh Tung, uh, and and the Worcestershire bowler may even play against Ireland. Yeah, it's great to see that. Josh is getting a selection after the back of some horrendous injury problems. I've seen him a few years ago and I thought this kid can bowl. And I've always mentioned him in passing that England have got one or two up their sleeve who can you could potentially come in and you know from left field. And I wouldn't say he was one of them that I would mention in the last sort of six weeks, eight weeks, because the amount of cricket that he's he's missed. And I think it just shows, like Matt Potts last year, that if you put consistent performances and other people get injured, which England have got at this moment in time. Somebody can come from the left field and, and be selected in. Josh is somebody who I think has got a, a yard of pace, not as quick as the likes of, of Archer and Wood, but I think he's the next rung down with the likes of Stone and, and one or two others. Um, and good luck to the lad. He's, he's had a, a tough, tough time, but he's now right place at the right time and he could play in the Ashes. Because of England's injury worries, he could play in the Ashes. So um, I don't think you play at Ireland. I really don't. Unless England decide that Robinson and Anderson are too, it's too much of a risk. Um, and they are they are not as fit as what Brendan McCullum was making out yesterday. Um, if they are fit, then I expect Broad to play against us, against Ireland. If they're not sure if they're, if they're going to be 100% fit, then they might have to leave Broad out of Ireland as well, just to make sure he's ready for the first test. And then Josh Tum gets a game alongside Chris Wokes and, and Marty Potts. So 
it'll be interesting to see what happens on Thursday morning if Josh Tung does get a game. But great to see that he's getting recognition because he's he's he is a very very good bowler. Um, and now he's over his injury worries. Hopefully, he can have a good run in in, in first class and Test cricket if he gets a go. Okay, just two more things very quickly. Let's squeeze them in, Harmy. Um, I wanted to ask you about Australia. We two weeks ago we they confirmed that they would be going on a golfing and team building trip uh, in the Liverpool area. And England have obviously decided whatever Australia can do, we can do better because they're going on a golfing trip to Scotland. I mean, again, it's just yeah. It's the it's the new world. I don't suppose they're going to be playing much cricket or doing much netting. I mean, they are going on a golfing trip to Scotland. Yeah, golfing trip to Scotland. Yeah, I think it's it goes back to I remember the, the very first year T Twenty came out. Dale Dear, Dear Benkenstein took us to Ramside, the driving range. There, he got us a bucket of balls each and said, "Right, hit them as far as you possibly can because that's what this game's going to be. That's what twenty twenty cricket looks like. It's a white ball, smash it." I just wonder if the Aussie coach or the England coach, Brendan McCullough, gives all their players red balls and just says, yeah, this is the way we're going because that's what, it is the way of the world. These lads love their games of golf. They love their, it's amazing how different sports are because you go to the World Cup in Qatar and the England, I think the England team, Harry Kane, I think the Wales team in, in Gareth Bale, excellent golfers by both sort of really low handicappers. They had to bring a simulator into the hotel because they weren't allowed to play golf. England lads would rather play golf than cricket sometimes. So, And I don't blame them because I love golf as well. But there will be a lot of serious stuff going on during that time. So I think it's a happy balance. It's a right balance. Can you get away? Can you give some preparation time, time on your feet? You know, four hours around the golf course, try and replicate being on the field and on the feet for, for a long period of time. But also have some fun and be ready that we're not going to be so intense and add to the six and a half weeks that we've got five test matches. We're going to try and do that in a fun environment and I don't blame them whatsoever. Okay, let's hear what Brendan McCullum had to say about it. Look, Australia's a very good lineup, right? They're um, world-class bowlers. Um, they've been a very good team for a long period of time and they'll be a formidable challenge for us. Um, but it's a challenge that we're really looking forward to. It's what... It's what you want to play sport for, right? You want to be playing against the best and in the biggest series and on the biggest stage, and there's no greater opportunity than than what lies in front of us in the next six to eight weeks. So we'll see. Um, from our point of view, we don't go into to uh, prescribe to with our, our method. It's about trying to ensure that we're nice and free of mind and and, uh, and being able to live in the present and, and deal with what comes our way. If that's a high scoring rate, great. If it's not, well, that's great too. We'll just see what happens. That's England Test coach Brendan McCullum. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorp, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Time now to hear from England fast bowler Stuart Broad, who's been looking ahead to the start of the Ashes in less than three weeks. He's been working with Marmite and the Barmy Army, who've come up with a rather good new song for him. And he was speaking to TalkSport's Scott Taylor. Stuart, thanks for your time. You're down here at Sitz's Cricket Club in Fulham. Just tell us a bit about what you're doing today. Yeah, here with... uh... Marmite ahead of the Ashes series. Obviously, England versus Australia is one of the greatest rivalries in sport, and we all know the rivalry between Marmite and, and Vegemite. But uh, we've worked with Marmite and the Barmy Army to come up with a new song uh, for me, for the Barmy Army to sing through the summer. So uh, we're launching that, and uh, it's been great fun to be a part of. Do you like the song? I do like the song, to be honest. I, when, I, uh, when I heard it, I couldn't stop whistling it. So uh, that's a good sign for, for the summer. When the Barmy Army is singing it, I'll be, I'll be whistling it all night. Are you a Marmite man? 
I am. I actually oh, had it for breakfast this morning on some sourdough, yeah. Oh, okay. Are you? No, no, I've never had it before. Never had it? Never had it. Well, you've come before. to the right place. You love it or hate it, as they say. So. <laughs> you've come to the right oh. place. We've got, we've got burgers, we've got well, chips, we've got chicken wings. I've actually got a you goodie want. bag here with Marmite cookies in a tub of Marmite. So well, today's your day, isn't it? You know, the commute home might be very busy. <laughs> um, just talk to me about the, the importance of the Barmy Army, though, because in the COVID years, we obviously realised just how important they are for the England cricket team. Yeah, they've been an integral part of, of our group for, for a long time. You know, there's that sort of 12-man type supporting thing. But, you know, we are the best supported sports team home and abroad, I think. We've been very lucky. They don't just feel like a group that come away and watch cricket with us. They feel like a support network around the players and, and they they really give us a huge boost when we're on the field. Um, and I see part of my role, actually, as as a senior player in the team, that if we're just lacking a bit of energy or we need a bit of a bit of a lift on the field, I'll connect with the Barmy Army and try and lift the spirits in the in the crowd and get us going. And it's uh, you know they're, they're they're brilliant to have supporting us. Uh, they're, they're always there, win, lose, or draw, um, and they play a, a huge role in in home summers for us in in particularly in Ashes series. Are you conscious of that? Because most people just expect the Barmy Army to be there, but especially in the world we live in today, it costs a lot of money to tour to places like New Zealand. They're out there in, the, uh, in full force. Are you sort of conscious of how much they've actually spent to be there? So you're, you want to put on a show for them? Yeah, we're, I mean, we're, we're forever grateful for the, for the travelling support that, that we have, particularly our last tour in New Zealand, you know, who would literally across the world. Um, and that's sort of test, you know, that... that our style of cricket now is all about entertaining and uh, part of that is based on, on our supporters that come and watch us. We want them to have brilliant days and not just be reliant on the result, whether it's a win or a loss. Actually, you can have uh, great entertainment by one player's knock and someone whacks 50 really quickly and hits good sixes. So, uh, yeah, we're really conscious that cricket is an entertainment sport and people that come and support us should be entertained. Are you surprised yourself with the with a rapid change in the last 12 months under Brendan and Ben because it's the same group of players but mindset wise does it just prove that cricket mainly is a mental game more than anything else yeah it's been it has been surprising um, because yeah we we have got the same group of players and we've turned into a really fantastic winning team I think it's not just a lesson for cricket but a lesson for all sports and probably business as well that actually if you have a very clear objective and you you have very clear language around that objective you can achieve it and you know Baz and Stokes have been crystal clear with how they want us to play uh, they've been uh, very strong in in the language they use around the changing room and the the way they talk to players and um, to me it does from the outside does feel quite a surprise of how results have changed but having seen it day to day it doesn't surprise me just the 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 way they've galvanized the group let's talk about the ashes coming up this summer then how excited are you for it because a lot of the outside noise is it's the most anticipated since probably 2005 when a lot of those players in that squad probably got into cricket themselves by watching that series yeah i mean 05 inspired me for sure that was my first year as a as a professional and uh uh, there's no doubt I watched that series wanting to desperately be a part of it and I'm with you I think this is the most anticipated series since then uh, Australia in a great run of form made the test championship final I've played brilliant cricket throughout the Australian summer and um, I've got a pretty experienced team that, that we've played against a lot of their, their players for a long period of time 
and England have, have had England's one of England's best ever years and are playing a style of cricket that is addictive to watch and incredible to see you know scoring four or five hundred in a day at times um taking wickets scoring runs and taking great catches so yeah there's no doubting that that this series is uh is highly anticipated and so it should be a lot of the players i've spoke to in the build-up say are the pressure of an ashes series is different to a bilateral series but why is the pressure different give me an example of how different it is probably my most nearest example about 20 minutes ago someone put their head through the door and shouted make sure you beat Australia you know so I think any, ever since we got back from New Zealand whether I've been on the tube or, or stop at a service station on my way to Nottingham or something people will say hope you beat Australia or, or you know we'll be watching against the Aussies what a great rivalry so there, there just seems a, a bigger awareness that when we're playing against Australia there, there obviously is a great history in the Ashes um, and this is an amazing summer of cricket to be a part of not just the men's but also the, the women's playing their Ashes series there's pretty much cricket on every day um, throughout June and July of international stuff so uh, as a cricket fan without too many other sporting in- interruptions to be honest until the sort of Premier League season starts up again so there's, uh, it's a dream summer to be a part of as a, as a cricketer for sure Yeah we talk about the fearlessness of youth in this team and maybe they can take on five and over and stuff but how important is experience and know-how in Ashes series yeah it is important I, th- I think you don't you can't let that experience daunt you at all you know you've you got to treat each series very much as a new series and on its own but but use your experience to deal with the outside noise and the pressure there is more expectancy on an Ashes series there are more eyes there are more ears and you do have to you do have to cope with that but if you commit to your game plan and you commit to your strengths then whether you're playing against county cricket whether you're playing for your county sorry or not or whoever um, or playing for England then stay strong with your game plan and you can deliver and uh, you know we've had the same group of players under Baz and Stokesy for a while now and there's a huge belief within that group um, and I think that that belief will carry on through it throughout this summer. Even when we get knocked off knocked off it for a day, even if we get bowled out for a hundred, we know that the next day we'll come back much stronger. I've heard you in the past, especially when you're approaching 500 Test wickets. So I don't really care about the milestones, really. But how important is legacy for you, especially because this Ashes, there's no football tournament this summer, so it's a real chance to inspire the next generation, I guess, just like the team in 05 did. Yeah, and, and we can do that with our style of play. You know, you can't you can't predict and you can't control results, but you can control your style of play. And we will commit to playing uh, Brendan McCullum and, and Ben Stokes's mentality, and uh, that will be inspiring. You know, we can make England cricket the the country that 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 plays this attacking format, not just at the top level in the men's team, but. The, the women's 100 teams, the, the county cricket, the kids coming through at under-15 level. If we can get inspired, if you can see Ben Stokes, Joe Root um, playing this style, then as a 14-year-old you want to copy that and then that's, that, that then stands uh, English cricket in a great place in, in the future. So, yeah, yeah, obviously we're in a results-driven business at Top Flight Sport, but ultimately... Our style of play is the most important thing that counts for us this summer uh, and we can inspire generations with our style.
you're coming up to 600 test wickets. I won't ask you about milestones. I know you've talked about it in the past, but what keeps you going now? Because you're, you're 36, you'll be 37 during the Ashes series. What keeps you going every day? And okay. has that changed since becoming a dad? Uh, competitive spirit keeps me going. You know, I'm... I'm I, I'm, ad, I'm addicted to the competitive side of sport uh, and it's actually got easier mentally I think with Annabella in my life because um, I think in professional sport you can get in your own bubble and in your own head a lot about building up how important it is to perform and actually if you if you bowl badly then everyone's judging you whereas I think since I've had Annabella I realised that my family's my world and actually whether I bowl badly she's not judging me she you know I still give her a bath and a kiss before bed and and she's happy so um I think it's taken pressure off me because I'm not judging my cricket so much you don't have time really (laughs) there's so much other stuff going on um and ultimately yeah I, I I think I know I've that competitive fire still burning strong um and I know I'm a good cricketer when that competitive fire is there. So uh, I feel in a brilliant place for this summer. I feel really happy. I feel very fresh. I feel very focused. And I'm delighted the Aussies are coming over. Has there been talks in the dressing room about this new style of play? And the reason you're doing it is because you look at the state of Test cricket in the minute and there's a lot of talk about Test cricket dying. But the fact that you're playing this style of play, everyone last summer was talking about Test cricket again. That must be... A good feeling. Are you conscious of that as senior players? No, it's, I mean it's never been mentioned. Um, certainly not a reason that we're sort of as players we're committing to playing like this. But I can see it doing the world of good to the game of cricket. And ultimately, you know, you don't have to be shoved into just being a T20 player or a 50-over player or a Test match player. I think you could easily see players performing and you know being a success in the IPL or the hundred and being picked for the England Test team off the back of that because the style of play actually turns out to be not too different. And I suppose we did see that a bit with Liam Livingston being picked for the Pakistan tour. Um, so, no, I think I, I think there's a place where, um, you know, performing in T20 cricket can earn you top honours in, in Test match cricket, which, which I have got no problems with at all. I spoke to Jimmy yesterday and, and he was talking about being part of this team and how he doesn't really think about how old he is. He just He's using being part of this team, having so much fun as motivation to keep prolonging his career. Is that the same for you? Yeah, it's, it's a really addictive um, environment to be around. You know, it's, it's, it, it's great fun. Uh, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of pressure there. Uh, it's not based on performance the whole time. Uh, it's playing a style of cricket that's really fun. Um, and yeah, I think he's dead right. You know, I've, I've not thought about my age once. I just think about, um, you know, enjoy. I suppose the concept really is being like playing club cricket with your mates, but you're doing it with three lines on your shirt in front of thirty-five thousand people. So it's it's pretty dream world to turn up every day with that mentality. Now there's six tests this summer. Um, is there an acceptance that you won't play all six? And how do you deal with Adversity. How do you deal with setbacks? I guess. Um, Try not to look that far ahead um, because six tests in seven weeks feels quite daunting. It's a lot of cricket, but uh, I I sort of had that have that mindset of just attacking each week as much as I can and giving my heart and soul. So if I get lucky enough to get picked for the Island Test, 
I'll give that everything um, and sort of know that I can have an impact in the Ashes series if that's one test or five tests. Um, I know that every Ashes wicket's vitally important and whenever I get an opportunity, I just look to stamp my authority on that game and actually whether you take 25 wickets in five test matches or six wickets in one test match and you win the team of the game, that's, uh, that, all those wickets have the same importance. So uh, just having the mindset that whenever you get the opportunity, you can, you can change the game. And just finally, I know you've got to go, but how healthy is the state of fast bowling in England at the moment? I know there's a lot of players going down with injury, but you've got the likes of you and Jimmy, Ollie Robinson, Matty Potts. The list can go on. How excited are you for the future? Of fast bowling in this country as well. Yeah, there's some great talent around. You know, it's, um, you always need a good stock of fast bowlers because uh, it's an injury ravished uh, career decision, to be honest, to be a fast bowler. But it's, it, it, you know, the, it brings you great highs and great feelings being being a bowler. But yeah, we, particularly the start of this year, there's been a lot more injuries than than the past. I think part of that's to do with the wetness of the ground, with the amount of rain we've had. Then you're going onto a hard sort of cricket pitch, so that there's definitely something in that. Um, but th- there's great stocks out there. We've, you know, we've not even talked much about someone like Chris Wokes, who's been an integral part of the England cricket team for for ten years. So he's come back into the squad for for the start of this summer, um, and you know. It, you need a lot of bowlers uh, in Test match cricket, and we're fortunate that we have got a few. You know, Ollie Stone's obviously hurt his hamstring. Joffre Archer's out for the summer, but but there's there's bowlers ready to step up and and uh, take their chance, which is exactly what you need. England fast bowler Stuart Broad talking to our producer and Talk Sports Scott Taylor at a Marmite event in West London this week. I can't remember the words to uh, the old Stuart Broad song, um, but there's something about um, him being better than his dad or his dad being better than him. And so uh, at the back end of his career, he decided he needed a new song. Um, And there was some really good promotion on social media, I thought. Very funny. And Brody was really getting into it. But there were many things that were interesting. um, But he he sounded like he was parroting what we heard from Jimmy Anderson last week, saying, oh, we're not going to change the way we play. It's all about the method. It's our approach. It's about entertainment. It doesn't matter that it's the ashes. And just like last week, you and I are thinking, Jimmy, really? And now, you know, hearing Brody say the same thing, you kind of think that's obviously what's on the team promotion list. That's what you're all reading from the same from the same book. But I don't know. I, I still got to see it to believe it. Yeah, I think they've obviously they've had the the message from whoever it is to try and not play it down. But saying that, he's playing it down in one aspect. And then him and Mitchell Stark having a right old ding-dong in back and forward. And it's great fun, that. I really enjoyed that. Mitchell says, well, you can't see it. It's a void series and you can't, it couldn't have been too hard because they had the run of the hotel, they got the gym, they got the golf course, they had the families there, they could do what they want. Um, so I thought it was a brilliant back and forward by by yeah, two experienced characters that played a lot of cricket. And there was no nastiness. It was just it was a, a difference of opinion, which is always... It always comes around with Stuart when it comes to the Ashes, which is good fun, just to put enough needle in it. Um, it'd be interesting to see when Stuart's 22 yards away from from Mitchell Stark in, in both aspects, when Stuart's either got the ball in his hand or the bat in his hand. I think he'd rather have the ball in his hand. And broad to Stark might not be as venomous as as, um, as Stark bowling to broad, um, especially the way Stuart 
you know, sees the uh, at the batting aspect of his game now. But he, he's always box office. Whenever he speaks, he's always good. He's got a he walks straight out of the England dressing room and straight into a commentary box on England stuff because of how good he is. And I think he's got a lot to play in this series. I didn't think that six, eight, 12 weeks ago because of how good Ollie Robinson is. And I think the fit Ollie Robinson, the more durable Ollie Robinson, Stuart might have to wait for an injury. Well, he's got the injuries. There are only probably four or five fast bowlers up on, on show now and never write him off because whenever you do write him off, he comes back comes back with a bang. And again, Marmite, he's got that character. He's uh, he's definitely well-sponsored and um, he's a brilliant human being, this Stuart Broad. He's a fantastic ambassador for the, the game of cricket in this country and it would not surprise me if it is his last series in Australia, he goes out with that bang and... I just hope they do. I really do. I reiterate again, say it again. I hope Anderson and Broad go out the way they want to go out, which will be the end at Lord at the Oval, whether they've won or they've lost. They go out there with it and not having sort of missed a couple of games or being left out or England not winning and things go against them. I don't think Broad and Anderson deserve that, but he's always great to listen to when he speaks. The Barmy Army trumpeter Simon Finch was involved, obviously, in that new song, and he tweeted. They say never meet your heroes, but in this case, it was one of the best days of my life. So I <laughs> had an absolute ball, which was brilliant. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and the former number one bowler in the world, Steve Harmison. Next up, we'll hear from the Ireland camp ahead of uh, that Lord's Test match and discuss what next for the game after Jason Roy gave up his ECB contract to play franchise cricket. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including... England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to 
Visit barbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And if you've missed any other show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Right, as promised, uh, we're going to hear from the Ireland camp. Uh, And once again, Scotty Taylor has been busy. He's been out and about. He was with the Ireland boys a little earlier today. The way this group has, has started to play now... In all forms of the game, really, I think they've shown an immense amount of skill over the last eighteen to twenty-four months, really, and um, and and I know they're really looking forward to, it, to the test match. And as with any Ireland side that ever takes the pitch, you know, it's not a case of going there to simply enjoy the fact that it's a Lord's Test match or that we're playing England. And um, you know, we'll be working as hard as we possibly can to to get a favorable favorable result. And as I said, with the skill level they've shown. I have no doubt that they'll be able to handle even the, the toughest of opponents, which which England will, will obviously be. Uh, let's change tack again and talk about uh, what we flagged at the beginning of the show. Jason Roy stepping away from his incremental contract with England in order to play the inaugural Major League Cricket in America in July, uh, reportedly for £350,000 uh, over a couple of years. It's being described widely as a watershed moment in the progress, if that's the word, uh, the changing shape of the landscape of the game. And I've no doubt that it will be seen as that. Do you know what, Harmi? Please forgive my naivety. I don't actually understand why he had to step away, why he had to give up his England incremental contract. I mean, you know, his relationship with Surrey is not going to be endangered because he'll play the blast. He'll even play the final if Surrey get to the final and then fly to America and it's like literally a 24 hours uh, turnaround and he'll be back for the 100. So I I don't do you do you get why he had to give up his England contract in order to play this get this series in July? I don't get why he had to give it up. I can not put two and two together but not if you remember not long ago. We said this a few weeks ago. We had Liam Plunkett on talking about Major League cricket and what it was going to be, how it was going to be like. And and as I said, there's probably two big hitters here who Liam knows quite close, really well, who will probably go over. One will be Alex Hales and the other one will be Jason Roy. The problem you've got with Jason Roy is that he's got a contract. Now, I said, Jason Roy's going to look at it and go, well, they left me out of the T20 World Cup squad. They're trying to promote Will Jack, Stavon Milan's opening a bat and 50 over World Cup. Am I going to go to India and or am I going to get the same treatment? So I was like, if he thinks like that, he gives his contract up and goes to Major League Cricket. The reason why he has to give his contract up is because the ECB came out as soon as the, the, the noises were that Major League Cricket was coming. We will not allow any contracted players to go and play and not get them the NOC, which I didn't understand that statement. So that's why he's had to give the contract up. Because the ECB have come out again, tried to sort of say something when they didn't need to say anything, didn't need to go with speculation, just had to let things be, and there would have been no problems. Now, Jason Roy's had to give his contract up. And yes, you could have done this behind the scenes. It could easily have gone, you know, Rob Key and the, the, the management teams at, at the ECB gone to Jason and said, look, 
if you go to a major league cricket, you're not going to get paid. Basically, we can't pay you while you go over there. So you will, you will, you'll have to forfeit a large proportion of the contract that we've we've given you. Now you can do that behind the scenes. You don't have to make a noise. It doesn't make a headline. And common sense with adults having com- conversations. But ECB, as they always do, no, we are bigger than the game. We own the game. We invented the game. We invented 2020. How dare you have me or try and make us look small? And they come out and said something. And players now, they don't care. They really don't care. The way the landscape's changing so much with the cricket. Money's the, money's the main thing. Somebody's going to offer you a bigger contract. And if you're in a contract, not worth the paper it's written on. So see you later. Off you go. Now, the interesting thing from this point of view is, where does, what is, happens with Jason Roy? Does he go to the World Cup if he's one of the, the 15? You know, how, can you, how can you take somebody's contract off and then go and pick them again? And I'm all for, and Jason's right, I, I 100% back Jason Roy's decision to go and play Major League Cricket because the money that's on offer, Alex Hills didn't go to Bangladesh because Rob Key said we couldn't compete with the money that's on offer. Now, what's going to happen in this situation? Do you take a contract off somebody, then pick them for a World Cup squad? Literally, within the within the next three months, ECB have dug a hole for themselves, and I'm not sure what they're going to do to get out of it. Well, that's do they, do they do they go with Milan at the top of the order and go? Well, you know, Jason Roy's jumped, left his contract because he believes he doesn't think he got into the World Cup squad. I don't think that would be the right way to write it. If it's a selection issue, a selection conversation to be had to say, look, you know, Roy's not going to make the 15. Jason's thinking, right, if I'm not making the 15 and I'm not going to go to another World Cup, then what's the point of having this contract? I'm going to go and play for, I'm going to go and play for an extra 200,000 pound, 250,000 pound reportedly on top of what I would have been on. So it's a no brainer for me and my family. Um, So I, I, I don't blame Jason. I really don't. I'm I'm a massive Jason Roy fan. I think he's still got a chance of playing in the in the World Cup before Major League Cricket. Now, I'm not sure he has. And as much as he says, I will, I'll never turn me back on England. Fair play, he won't. But I don't. I can't see him playing in the 50 over World Cup now because of how can you take somebody's contract away from him and then pick them not long later? Well, New Zealand managed it with Trent Bolt. Um, so maybe there's a way. It's certainly the first serious um, speed bump on the road for Rob Key, and uh, he's going to have to come up with a creative solution. Find ourselves, by the way, what uh, Surrey's director of uh, cricket, Alex Stewart, said about the contracting situation. It's very tough, and it's getting harder, harder and harder because, and quite rightly, players want to play. Do they want to be in the indoor centre all winter? training hard in a gym, working on the skills indoors. They want to be playing in front of full houses in other parts of the world, earning nice money. Of course, that's what they want to do, and we won't deprive them of that. But I think we'll see contracts change. You know, so I spoke about one, two, three. Some might get a four-year contract with their county if they play all formats. If you're just going to be a, let's call it a T20 player, because if you're a good T20 player, you'll then be contracted to the 100. Well, if you're only going to be available to your county for what the T20 blast lasts what six weeks does that player need to be on a 12 month or multi-year contract yeah. that, that's the questioning still earn the money and the right level of money in that six week period but should the county be responsible for that player outside of that six week period perhaps a two weeks leading into 
the blast. Yeah. And the rest of the time, they're inverted commas a freelance cricketer, mm-hmm. where they'll go off and play for Mumbai Indians, Registan Royals, you know, yeah. Big Bash, whatever it may be. Because currently how it works, they're under contract to us. They go away. They'll come back. They'll want to have coaches' time, man hours in the indoor centre, have sidearm, have bowling machine, have the expert coaches telling them what to do or advising them what to do just to get ready to go off to play in another franchise competition. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I've got a little injury, so I'll be treated by the Surrey physio, yeah. the Surrey doc, the Surrey medical staff. We'll rehab them as well to get them fit to go and play another franchise tournament. Oh, by the way, you're not fit for the T20 blast, mm. but we've looked after you for the rest of the year. So, And I'm looking ahead there in the crystal yeah. ball. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if contracts change in the coming years. We've already seen it with England talking about what well, we saw three or four, four or five players playing a PSL mm-hmm. instead of playing for England in Bangladesh, I think it yeah. was. From a financial point of view, you know, that's their decision and they're not potentially first pick players mm-hmm. for England. So they took made a financial decision, which that's their decision, so we can live with that. Um, so England need to look at how they contract their players, how they pay their players. And then there'll be a knock-on effect of how counties contract their players when they pay their players and who looks after those players when they're not on duty with that county. Because, you know, if they play for Sydney Sixers, just to name a team as an example, if the player gets injured playing for them, Sydney Sixers don't put them back together again. They come back to their county. Yeah. You know, is is that right? Yeah. So I'll leave that for your <laughs> listeners to uh, perhaps consider. That's uh, Surrey's Director of Cricket, Alex Stewart. And a final word on this, Harmy. The PCA's Daryl Mitchell um, warned that not giving or, or moving away from 12-month contracts for counties would be damaging to the game. I think he has to say that. The PCA works on behalf of the players. But common sense just screams at you that take Hampshire's Benny Howell for example he looks like he's going to miss the whole of the T20 blast group stage with injury but he spent the winter profitably playing franchise cricket for for other people in PSL I think and and various other leagues so you know Daryl Mitchell has to say that but Frankly, for for cricketers like Benny Howell um, and at all, I, I mean, there were seventy English players who played franchise cricket uh, uh, over the winter, and and it's hard not to at least understand exactly what Alex Stewart is saying, if even if you are not inclined to agree with him. But personally, and it was Scotty Taylor three weeks ago who got all this rolling. Our producer, he when he chatted to uh, to Alex Stewart, and that's when he first said. It doesn't make sense. Why Why have we got players on 12-month contracts coming and using our facilities when we're only using them for six weeks a year? Yeah, and it's such a difficult subject to sort of nail down to have a concrete opinion on what's the right outcome because there's 450 cricketers professionally in this country. Now, 70 are going away and playing it's good in one respect that Alex Stewart said what he said, and I think he's right. We have to have a look at it. The cricketers can't have it all their own way because why would you contract somebody for 12 months if you're only going to use them for six weeks? But it's not. this is not a new a new thing. You know, you've had the likes of Tamo Mills, who's, who played, England, played for England very, very well. He can only bowl four overs. That was him. So you're only going to play 
in the blast for for Sussex where where he was at. So in the example, but he was one possibly one of five ten that around the country Benny Howe was one um, that didn't play a lot of longer format cricket. So I think when it was like that, you can look beyond it. I think the more the landscape changes, now it's more difficult. But I also think on the other side, it's such a such a great area that if you start just contracting players for six championship games and then nine Royal London games and then the blast and then the other six championship games at the end, then I think the game I think the game's gone then. I really do think the game's gone because you've got to give some security to the players who aren't fortunate to play in franchise cricket, the players who are just trying to make a living for themselves. And I keep saying, I keep going back to this this, this argument where county cricket and people want to kill county cricket, people want to knock county cricket, people want to change county cricket. Said of talking, there was a big talking point about crowds for the blast. Why I keep saying first-class cricket should be free entry is because in this country, there are only so many people play for England. And a lot of the players that play first-class cricket and county cricket, it's employment rather than the uh, the end the end goal is playing for England. Everybody wants to play for England, yes, but three hundred and fifty of them are going to go nowhere near playing for England. But they have took that option of a career to play cricket as an employment, and they give a service to the members that they're. Uh, and for me, if you went down the short term contract rope, then you might see a lot of players turn around and go, "No, I can get I can get a job." In insurance, I can get a job in. I can train to be something else. I can get a job in banking. I can go on a building site. I can go wherever, because the long-term future of my family would be satisfied more than just a four-month, eight-game Red Bull contract. If I have a shocker, I might have a job in eight months. So I think you've got to be careful on where we go with this. I think there is a common sense finale to it. The players might have to pay or the franchises that they play for might have to have to pay the, the, the contracted club a fee to look after them. But I'm sure we'll get to the bottom of it. But it's such a great area. And the PC have to see what they say. Alex Stewart has the right to say what he says, and he's right to do that from a director of cricket role. I think somebody at the top leadership-wise has to get a hold of this subject and say, right, this is the outcome that's best suited for everybody. Yep, and that somebody, as you know, is called Rob Key. So best of luck to him. You're listening to that. <laughs> good luck with that one. <laughs> You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and two-time county championship winner, Steve Harmison. We, uh, the, somebody knocks us every week for, for not giving the IPL any airtime. <laughs> I keep telling them all, well, if I can answer them back, that the IPL doesn't lack airtime. But mm. let's we, let's just mention the fact that it is over now. And... Um, Chennai Super Kings matched the Mumbai Indians with their fifth title with a rather dramatic finish. Ravindra Jadeja needed 10 off the last two balls. Mohit Sharma was the bowler, and he's gone 6-4 to win it off the last ball. 171 was the target, the DLS target, in 15 overs. It was, what a game of cricket, first and foremost. Then we don't we don't, we don't give it airtime, but we've got to remember, we, we do commentate on it. We've got it on TalkSport too. The great Mandy Pamasar and Macker, I think, did the final eventually over two days. I can't imagine what Macker's voice would have been in by the end of it. And Monty would have been so in one side anyway. So sorry, Macker. But no, it it was it was an epic final for me. 
Uh, it was like three o'clock in the morning in India. It just shows you how mad India is and what a country it is for cricket. And yes, we can have, we can knock it. We can have a go at it. We can give them some stake because of the sort of ego that in- Indian cricket have got and the money that they want. But they put on a show. They really do. Ahmedabad looked magnificent. The thing that I, I, I struggle with is that the big concert in the middle of the innings, and if they hadn't had the concert, they might have got the game finished before the rain came. So it just added to the drama, fuel to the fire. And when you go two two balls to go, and the way you did, you finished. You didn't. Yeah, I was no surprise because the guy is he's cool under pressure and he's you know supremely talented. I'm not sure out of a hundred how many times he would have done that again. Um, but it was brilliant. And in the the final over, what a, what a start to the over. And the only thing I'd say to that, it, the the last over is, Mohit Shah, he bowled two unbelievable Yorkers to start the over with you know very little damage to his bowling figures. He bowled his third one, which was, they got, they got a, a, a couple of runs off. And then all of a sudden, he's asked for a drink in the middle of the over. So 12th man runs on with a drink. Hartik Pandya is giving him instructions. And I'm shouting at me, Telly going, what are you doing? You just bowled three unbelievable Yorkers. He's got nowhere to go at the other end. And you've now given him time to just take pause, line you up, and you be taken out of the moment, which you are obviously in a great place because you just nailed three Yorkers. And then the last two balls are nowhere near the first three what were absolutely perfect. One goes out the ground, down the ground, and the last ball was a shocker, down leg side. And even if he's pad, it would have been four. Um, and you've lost the IPL. And it just shows when you're in the moment, you stay in the moment. And fair play, Mendrissing Dhoni, another great victory in the, in the IPL final. You know, Harmy, for the last five years, Ravi Jadeja has been the first name on my multi-format ball, uh, current 11. I mean, Unbelievable. He, he's a spectacular cricketer across all three formats. He's a cricketer you want in your dressing room because... He looks as though he's having the time of his life. He looks as though he's really enjoying his job. He just, right, I love playing cricket. I've got a smile on my face. He's always laughing and carrying on. Whenever there's any needle, he's there. He is. He's like little Jack Russell. He's there. He's at you. He's going to come at you. So, yeah, for somebody who's having a great time, he's also can be nasty, can be naughty, which I like in a character. Normally, them players are the worst player in the team. Because they only get in the team because they make the dressing room good. And then whenever there's anything spiky, they're the first ones there and they're at the opposition. Normally, that's that's why they're in the team. But he, he, he actually goes the other way. He backs it up with a ball and a bat because he's one of the best batsmen in the team and he's one of the best bowlers in the team. So I agree with you, multi-format player. He's, he is, for me, he's probably the best all-rounder in the world. And he's definitely somebody that you would love to have on your side. And whenever India are in trouble, especially in Test match cricket, five down for not very many, he seems to be the one that holds them together, gets them back in the game. And then when he does get them back in the game, he tends to bowl them into a winning position to win the game. So, no, I'm with you. I think Ravi Jadeja is is a, is a ridiculously talented cricketer, but also as a whole package, he is definitely somebody I'd rather have in my dressing room than against me. No, most definitely. Um, we're going to hear from Darren Sammy in uh, just a moment. Uh, he was talking about wanting... <laughs> he's not the first white ball coach to talk about wanting the West Indies' best players to actually play for them. 
and, and, and not go and play franchise cricket. But before we get onto that, let's take a scattergun approach to uh, what's happened in the in the the blast so far. Sean Abbott, I I didn't see any of that, but not bad for a bowler who bats a bit. At least that's the pigeonhole I've always put Sean Sean Abbott in. But a thirty, you know, there wasn't. Much, to be honest, man, there wasn't much of a highlight. Yeah, it's six or a four. That was it. Out of thirty-four balls. He just smashed it. I only again, I only seen this the highlights of it, and the highlights of it were probably twenty of the thirty-four balls that he either hit out of the ground or you know towards the boundary. It, again, it just shows you the momentum that you can get into. You know, he, he, team were in a little bit of a little bit of a trouble when he came in number six and number seven, and he he just stood there and teed off, and all of a sudden, bang! You go from Surrey being behind the eight ball to Surrey just you know completely bossing the game, and it just shows that. It, the lot, the shortest format of the cricket. You just need one player to come off, and the rest is you know, the the game's won, the game's over, and that's the beauty about it. You know, we talked about well the World Cups, and you get to the knockout stage, and one of the opening batters goes and peels off a hundred in no time at all. That's it, game over. So you've always got to be you know ready for that moment as a team, and unfortunately, um, the opposition were nowhere near as good as what Sean Abbott was at the Oval. Scotty has just uh, reminded me that uh, actually he only scored four off his first five balls, which mm. means that he scored 96 off 29. <laughs> and that's, that's over three a ball. <laughs> just ridiculous. It's just pure striking, that's all it was. It literally was. It was stand there, a bit like the Aussies in, in England. Stand the first tee and hit it as far as you possibly can. Let's see where the next one goes. Fortunately for Surrey, he just kept it in the matter of ground. Yorkshire haven't won a game, Army, this season. No, I, I mean, I, I, it's just they need to win. I, I, they're, you know, they're better than that. But people often use the cliche that winning is a habit and losing is an even worse habit, and that just seems to be the case with Yorkshire. It does, and it's I feel Goffey and, and Otis, two people I love dearly. There's they've been in a couple of positions this year. They have. You really throated them, I think, down I think down Sussex we are somewhere. I can't remember which game it was, but we hadn't getting rained off in the last game. Um Leicestershire chasing a mammoth score and then you know Durham beating them by a wicket. So they've been close a couple of times this year, but unfortunately until they get over the line, they'll always go into that start of that four day game. You know, with a negative feeling that here we go again. If Durham if Yorkshire get a win then you might get on, like you say, that that run of of winning streak, which it's easy to get on, but it's it's even harder to get off. Okay, we spoke about Darren Sammy's appointment as the West Indies new white ball coach uh, last week, was it, or two weeks ago? And um, I did question about the fact that he was maybe a more of a figurehead coach than mm. than an actual coach, and that's fair enough. I mean, you know, if he could manage a bunch of superstars when he was captain, then he should be able to do the same. As coach, interesting that um, he was talking about Shimron Hetmeyer and and Sunil Narine, both of whom seem a little indifferent about international cricket. I mean, Hetmeyer missed the plane to the last T Twenty World Cup. <laughs> he didn't he pitched up a couple of hours late, and so you know, I mean, is it is it is it possible uh, to actually get all the West Indies best white ball players together? I mean, is it is it practical? Is he is he is that wishful thinking? Oh, let's hear from him, first of all. Everyone who plays regional cricket is available 
or is indicating that they're available for West Indies. I've had conversations with both said gentlemen, Hetty and Edmire and, and Evan Lewis, you know, just, you know, haven't played not too long ago and understanding the complaints of players and the lack there, therein of, of, of the communication. I think it's important for us to communicate. Uh, it sounds simple, but I understand that clear communication makes the process better and it gives you a better understanding. So, yes, I've had in-depth conversation with, with, with Shimron and Evan Lewis about the mindset, you know, the plans, where they see West in this cricket with, in align with, with, with themselves. And I must tell you, the feedback has been positive. Although also guys like, you know, Andrew Russell's, I've reached out to other guys like Sunil Narayan and all these guys to, to hear what are their thoughts, you know, because they still take part in our in some of our domestic competition. But it takes honest, mature conversations, which is one I'm not afraid to have with, with, with the players. And um, that's the position on, on that. I encouraged by the discussions that we've, we've had when it comes to, to West Indies um, cricket and um, outlining clear plans as to how we integrate. Because, you know, the, the, these players... You know, you look at the caliber of, of, of Shidran. I'm, I'm sure it hurts the fans to see him, you know, performing elsewhere and, and, and not in the maroon. That's Darren Sammy talking about uh, his hopes for the future. Is it possible? Is it wishful thinking, Jaime? Do you think the West Indies can get all their white ball players in the same room and on, on the same field again? I love his enthusiasm. I love the fact that he thinks he can get them all to come from the islands and meet in one island and play the sort of Calypso cricket that we all know and love from the West Indies, but I don't think he's woke up yet. I think somebody needs to tap him on the shoulder, give him a strong coffee and say, unfortunately, this is what you've got. I think it is wishful thinking. Unless you've got to remember, Shimon Epmeyer missed the plane to a competition. He was probably going to get paid the same amount the plane fair cost per game. And he gets paid a fortune for playing white ball cricket around the world. So with the franchise format the way it is, the competition for the US dollar is massive um, in, in the West Indies. It's a dog-eat-dog world. They're not playing for the individual islands. They're playing for a collective island. So it's not as though you're playing for England, you're playing for Australia. You're one nation. These are a bunch of nations. I've got no allegiance to really. And I think that's you can tell that when it comes to when competition's on in one part of the world or there's a world tournament on or the West Indies are playing in another part of the world then there's only one winner and that's the franchise tournament. So I don't see it happening unless Darren Sammy can convince the West Indian Cricket Board that when we come to a big tournament, we pick the best 15 players possible. When we play in the islands against whoever, we take whoever is becomes available. And if he can manage that, then good luck to him. Um, it'd be better than anything that Phil Simmons could do or Kieran Pollard could do. But let's wait and see. He talks a good game, but after six months in the job, will he still be in the job because he won't be able to get his players and you know, the board are saying one thing and he's got a different opinion? I think it could be round in circles again from, from the West Indian cricket point of view. Okay. Um, I just want to wish all our best to Australia's Meg Lanning, uh, who's yes. going to miss the women's ashes. And Cricket Australia asked that her privacy is, is respected. They didn't say what the issue was, but she has taken time off uh, mental health break. And um, we just hope that 
you know that she is well and and um I don't even want to mention how much Australia will miss her during the ashes because her health and everybody else who has uh, mental health issues that's the issue that matters not yeah 100% definitely matters definitely and you just look at that's give a brunt she took some time away from the game for her own best reasons and she's come back a superstar so yeah we wish Meg really well and hopefully a little bit of time away from the game to you know collect the thoughts um and she'll be back strong whenever she needs to be back that's the most important thing and hopefully the cricket family will welcome her back with both arms but also support her in what's happening at this minute in time because it is it's from somebody who's been through it it's uh it's a lonely place to be indeed okay the final word goes to graham clark um the durham batter who scored his first t20 century against north ants and was out for a golden duck against Yorkshire in that game later. It's the way, it's the great leveller, Harmy, this game. Great Absolutely. Leveler. It's like when you play golf and you hit one down a fairway, you think you're a good golfer and then you shank it out of bounds. It just happens to bite you on the backside. Not that, not that Graham will ever have thought he was bigger than the game, but good first class 100, great 100 in the T20. And then it always bites you just to bring you back to reality every now and again. It's a great game. We love it. <laughs> You've been listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And if you've missed any other show, as always, or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back at the same time next week to look back at the Ireland Test and build up to the start of the Ashes. For now, this has been the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today.